Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Well, good morning. Good to see each of you here. If you have your Bibles, you turn with me to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter, and we'll start in chapter 1. We'll focus on chapter 3 at the end of it, but we're going to actually read through the whole part of uh, this whole letter, this whole epistle uh, from Peter this morning. And uh, before we do that, I just want to uh, share a few words. So if, as you're turning to Second Peter, um, let me just uh, share a couple things first. Um, just from the bottom of my heart, um, you, whether you knew it or not, some of you don't do, some of you don't, um, you allowed your pastor last Sunday um, the opportunity to go and minister to people who were in great need. And so for me not to be here was tough. Um, I received a call from Josh Whitry at about 5.30 um, last Sunday morning and uh, um, telling me that the dining hall uh, was in flames and it was going to be gone, all of it. And so at that point, um, I told Lisa... Um, I said, I got to go. I said, I feel like I got to go. And uh, talked with Josh this week and found out that um, the guest group that was there, they saw the dining hall inflamed and uh, they called 911. Then they called Josh and Josh called the executive director, Gary, and Josh's second phone call and all the people he could have called in the world, Josh called me. And I didn't, didn't know that until this week. And so that reinforced to me that need of being there for him and for the staff. And, uh, and so I, I, I thought about this on my drive home last Sunday night because I spent the whole day there and uh, ministering and just loving on uh, the staff. And then we had a board meeting and just praise the Lord. We praise the Lord for all the different things that we had already seen God working um, there are a lot of different comments. There's a lot of different thoughts. Um, if you've never been down to the ranch, uh, the dining hall was the hub. It was the center part of the campus, meaning that kind of everything kind of ran through that. And so that had the offices, it had the kitchen, and it had the dining hall. And then um, they've been using that for a lot of the chapel services uh, because we had outgrown uh, the other chapel. And so it really became central and hub to the whole ministry there at Skyview. And so I know it is just a building. And it was good to remember that that morning, um, that it's just a building and we lost that building. Uh, it is still a mourning process. And I shared that with the staff that just as you would mourn somebody who you lost, um, that it was okay to mourn, to mourn this building. And, and that was okay and that they needed to do that and to work through that. Um, it is just a building. You can't take any of that to heaven. Uh, we can't take any of those things. But one of the things that we will take are the memories and the people and the decisions that were made. And one of the really cool things throughout this whole week uh, was the different uh, um, comments that people have made on Facebook, social media, um, just to hear different things. I know uh, Lene shared with Lisa and I, her young life leader at Firestone uh, was saved in that dining hall. 
she came to know Christ in that dining hall during the chapel service. Uh, there are countless lives that have been impacted through Skyview, and that's one of the really, really neat things and, and really cool. Um, a lot of people want to know what the cause of the fire. Uh, it probably will be undetermined. It's just probably that's going to be what the fire chief is going to come out with. We don't have that yet. Um, there could be a lot of different scenarios that we can come up with in our mind. Uh, the greatest thing is no one was injured, no one was hurt, and so we praise the Lord for that. Um, uh, roughly, they're saying $1.9 million in losses, and so uh, we're thankful that God gave us great um, insurance, and so that's why you pay for insurance. And uh, the hardest part for all the staff this week is just writing down and trying to remember everything uh, that was in that building and try to digest that, which then brings back a lot of different memories as they think about the personal items that they lost as well. And so um, I would just ask, the, the probably the biggest thing if you would pray for um, is pray for the staff, but, but in our loss... They were switching and moving from all of the record keeping be, being in uh, um, uh, the hard drives there. Um, they were going to switch to cloud-based, but that hadn't happened yet. And so right now, as of right now, we've lost all of that. And so that's the biggest loss. And so um, if we have to start from scratch one, stage one, then we have to do it. But pray that somehow, some way. Um, they'll be able to recover um, some data from those hard drives. And so they've sent those off. Those are getting worked on. And so if you would pray, um, we mentioned that uh, at, our, uh, at our meeting on last Sunday night. We were all there, and uh, somebody said, Kent, the IT guy who's on the board, uh, Kent said, so we have about 10% chance that we can get anything off. And Gary, the director, said, so you're telling me that we have a chance. And so um, that was kind of the, that gives you a picture of where the staff was at that point and uh, where we're at. Um, incredibly, incredibly hard. You, you, just hard. And, and, uh, but I want to thank you um, because there's not too many churches that have the opportunity to do that, to be that flexible. Um, for you, first of all, to entrust us as a staff, and I, I didn't hear, and I asked several people, um, anybody, I didn't say it like this, anybody missed me while I was gone, but um, was there any grumbling, oh, the pastor's not here, he's skipping out, you know, that type of thing, but that you understood, I hope you understood that that's where God, I really felt with all my heart that that's where God wanted me to minister, and that Pastor David, I want to thank Pastor David, because I waited as long as I possibly could on that car ride until I knew I couldn't, I couldn't get any receptions a little spotty down there. So I finally said, okay, I got to call him at this point. So I called him uh, right before I pulled in and said, hey, I need to tell you um, there's some tragic news. And um, he thought maybe somebody had died, which, it, praise the Lord, they didn't yet. Um, we're all going to die. So, uh, But I told him, and he just picked it up, and he ran with it. And uh, I said, this is what I was going to preach on. You don't have to use it. And he did. And um, I hadn't seen it on the website yet. So I'm anxious to hear it. I heard it was really good. And in fact, it was so good that you guys got out early. And so I told, uh, I told, I told John Marhofer, he said, yeah, that was really a good sermon. You know, he did a great job. And I said, yeah, I get to use all those minutes that he didn't use today. And he's like, uh-uh, no, uh, -uh, no -uh. 
he said, come on, 15, 20 minutes. And, uh, but I do, uh, I, want that, I want you to know that's, that's really special. And to me, it shows us as a church to be able to navigate dif- difficult times and to be part of that and to minister to people. That, that's, that's huge. That's huge. That's a big perspective and looking at our ministry, and it goes way beyond just what we do here on a Sunday morning. And, and that's, that's a great thing, and you're part of that. And so thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your concerns. Thank you for your support. Um, let's keep praying for them, and uh, I'll let you know in the days ahead if there's specific things. Um, and one of those probably for me right now I'm trying to hone in on are the apprentices because they're there just for a year. They're college-age kids that just... Um, they get paid pennies. They don't have a lot, and some of them lost uh, a lot in that. Their personal things that were there as well. So, I'll let you know in the days ahead if there's opportunity for us to minister um, and to be able to give, uh, especially as we enter in the Christmas season. Um, but thank you, thank you, thank you that you allowed me that opportunity um, to to share your shepherd to be able to minister to to some needy people. Um, it was it was big. So we're here. It's annual business Sunday, and uh, for those of you who don't know, this is usually uh, a really big Sunday for us. At least it is for me. Uh, from a couple standpoints, it's kind of an opportunity for us to review the year uh, as we come to close, but also as we start to think and start to dream and start to plan and start to pray about what this new year looks like. And so um, in the business meeting, we're, we're proposing that we just extend our budget um, through the end of this year and even to the beginning of the first couple months because we want some clarity. We've been asking God for some clarity as far as what does he desire as we've uh, run in the red a little bit more this last year than, than what we have been accustomed to. And yet it's awesome to see how God continues to provide. God does and he will provide uh, for his purposes. And we just want to be in line with that. And we want to st- stay right in obedience with him. And so uh, we look forward to that. We've had some great men who have served on the board and they get a break. And then some new ones that will be coming on. And so we're excited about that. And uh, as we kind of review, and let me encourage you, if you didn't grab one, but you know, grab an annual report and read through it. Um, there's time that a lot of time and effort that went into that. Uh, people from different departments and different ministries who, who wrote out uh, a summary uh, of what has taken place over this last year. And so it really should give you a glimpse of what has taken place through the ministries of West Hill. And so to me, this is always an exciting uh, day. Um, just because it, it's it's a day that we really get to give praise to God for what He's what He's done, and you know we we heard uh, we heard some little ones struggling this morning, and I love that 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 to me that isn't a cringe of like oh will they just take their child out of here no that's like we have we have children that are here, isn't that awesome? That's a great thing, and we continue to see God's blessing in how he's providing us opportunity to minister to children, and that's one of the key signs of a healthy church is how does your nursery look, and uh, and so we praise the Lord for that. I'm looking for the fanons. I know they came in. Oh, they have children's church. 
They're going to love me today. Um, but make sure you see the Fannins. They have some exciting news when you think about babies. Um, they're, that's a good thing. And uh, I don't know if it's something in the water, but I told Lisa, drink up. And uh, so it, it's, neat, it's neat to see just, again, the continued growth that we're seeing here at West Hill. And that kind of plays into where we're, where we're going to go this morning in Second Peter um, where he encourages them to continue to grow. And we're going to look at these two areas where he writes as his final letter to, to the early church and their, their, where they need to head in, in, in their walk with the Lord. And so uh, are we perfect? We are far from perfect. I'll be the first to admit I have many flaws. I have many shortcomings. And if you don't believe that, ask my wife and children, and they will point out very quickly some of those. All right, we're not perfect people, and this is not a perfect church, but we strive to know the Lord and to dig into his word and to continue to grow and not be happy with just where we've been, but ask the Lord continue to stir within our hearts a greater love for him and a greater desire to walk obediently and continue to have that outreach and that impact upon people, not only inside these walls, but also outside of these walls. And I see that, and I continue to see that, and that continues to encourage me as your pastor. And so I'm excited as we continue to move forward. Will you pray with me before we read Second uh, Peter? Lord, we're thankful for your many blessings. I thank you for the people here at West Hill. Thank you for the church at West Hill and how you've blessed us. Lord, we, we owe you our lives because you've saved our soul. And so, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to worship you here in this place, to minister to one another, to encourage and uplift one another, to know that we're not alone in this journey, in this difficult world, uh, but also to remind ourselves that, uh, that this journey is short and our destination is forever. And so, Lord, uh, help us to keep that perspective. Help us to be encouraged um, as we dig into your word this morning. And may we take that and live that out as we live our lives so that others may see um, who you are, that others may see your goodness and your blessing and how, how you've blessed us. Lord, we love you and we pray this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So let's read together. It'll be up on the screen, um, but I encourage you, if you have your Bible, if you would want to follow along, I'll be reading from the ESV. And uh, I debated, I was just going to do chapter 3, and then I thought, no, it's good to be in the Word. And what's more powerful uh, than God's word? There's nothing. This is the power. It's not Pastor Aaron's words. The power of the word is this right here, God's word. And so I want to read to you the whole letter. And so hopefully you'll see as we go through, you get the whole, the feel. Again, this is Peter writing to the early church, uh, encouraging them. and, And you'll see some themes as he goes throughout of why he's writing this last letter to them. So let's follow along. Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now let me just pause just for a second because I want to make emphasis. We're going to see this again. So don't miss verse 2 there. All right, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in knowing, in the knowing of God and of our Jesus, and Jesus our Lord. 
Let's continue. Verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, and our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. As our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. Verse 15. And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from the God of the fa- God the Father, the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers amongst you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, 
And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defining passion, defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheme about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revile in daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reviling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Following the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water, and through water by the word of God, And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, 
that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and as a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and when the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth, in which the righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved... Since you are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them on these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Isn't it great to read God's word? To me, I feel like I could just stop and some of you are like, yeah, you can. Really, see? Let me give you a few thoughts as we look at this. When we think about um, our lives, one of the things that I think as we read through this letter and as we think about the, the year of the past but also the year to come, I think there are times when we go to make decisions that sometimes we lose perspective. And I think what Peter is trying to do here is to help the, the early believers, the church, to have a proper perspective And as they make decisions moving forward, that they will be grounded in those decisions, knowing where those decisions come from. That they don't come from man, but they come from God. And he talks about the prophets and where prophecy comes from. Not even from the prophets, but it's from the Holy Spirit who guided them to record and to share that. What we have before us and what we carry around with us is the word of God This is the active, sharper than any two-edged sword. This is able to pierce into the person's heart and into their soul. To to do something that, that while we want to have an effect on people, the word of God is what can transform someone. Ultimately taking them from the captivity that Peter is talking about here of being enchained to have freedom to, to see the result that Jesus and what Jesus did, and he, he speaks to this, I am an eyewitness that Jesus was real and that God the Father spoke to him as his own son and said, I am well pleased. 
And so here is this Jesus that we can place our faith and trust in that changes a person from ultimately death to life. And as we think about how we make our decisions, um, it, it allows us to, uh, in, this, in this picture, in this letter, to keep the big picture in mind. People have lost sight, and, and, and you hear it as he's almost answering a question, almost addressing here the, the fallacies, the rumors, the murmuring that's under. How come Jesus hasn't come back? Maybe Jesus isn't coming back. Maybe Jesus isn't real. And he, and he has them keep this big perspective where he shares the history going all the way back to creation and where he shares about the new heaven and the new earth. And he shares about the destruction the first time with the water and now the destruction that is going to come with fire, that the heavens and the earth that we see, that we're a part of, will be destroyed with fire. He reinforces for them to keep a big picture. Sometimes we need to stop what's going on. We need to stop with where where we're at and we need to take a step back. And we need to say, okay, God is still in control of all things and ultimately what's going on, will it last? Will it be here for eternity? Will the relationships and the effort and the energy and the money and your time, all of that, what you are doing, will what you are doing now transfer over to eternity or will it be burned away because it was worthless, because it was for here and now living? I think also, too, um, Paul encourages them to go deeper. I, I think that we sometimes um, uh, get discouraged and I think we need to be reminded that it takes a lifetime of learning. I think that's one of the great blessings of having had so many of our older people here as part of West Hill because there's so much to learn and glean from them, but also just as you watch them as they grow in their faith, uh, so many of them are like, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, I'm, I'm still wrestling through this thing of faith. And, and that encourages us to keep going deeper. And that's where uh, we're going to look at in just a minute where P- Peter encourages them to grow, to keep going deeper. And so as we make decisions, don't, don't ever get to that point where you feel like you know it all or that you know what's best. No, we have to continually come to the Lord and search his heart. And he shares the story about Balaam. And if you, if you don't know the story about Balaam, you need to look it up because it's one of the coolest stories, I believe, in all the Bible. I mean, they're all cool. But when you have a donkey that talks, there's something really, really cool about that. And so uh, here, here this, he shares about this, this story and he brings back to the remembrance of here's Balaam and he sought the Lord. And if you read the story, he sought the Lord the first time the, the men wanted him to go uh, and the second time he was seeking the Lord, but it's, Peter shares with us a little insight that it was for his profit. It was a little bit more for his own gain. And so here the donkey speaks because the donkey sees the angel of God and the walls that God had put up. And so that donkey wasn't going to go, wasn't going to go around, ultimately saving Balaam's life because God speaks to Balaam and says, that donkey, what the, you should be thanking the donkey not continuing to whip the donkey. The donkey saved your life. 
And, uh, and so it helps us to realize even in, in, in certain scenarios of our life, we must be careful not to think that we've arrived because none of us have arrived. We need to keep learning and growing and to go deeper. Um, uh, I, I think also as we look at this, part of that is uh, that, we, that as we come to different conclusions, we come to conclusions based upon what we see and what we know. It, it, it's as simple as, and I'm not gonna get into all this, I just use this as an illustration. What took place Thursday night, what we saw what was very clear and evident as somebody swings a helmet, there is something more to that, right? And, and I'm not advocating it was right. It was totally 100% wrong. What I'm saying is there's always another part of the story. If you have children, you know there's always another part of the story. And so what we do is sometimes what we see, what that little picture and that little frame, it's we come to conclusions based upon what our experiences have been and what we see. And we must be careful because we don't have the ability to be able to, to gather all of it. And, and that doesn't mean that we, that we stop making decisions. We ask for wisdom, asking the Lord to give us a bigger understanding. But we need, as we walk through life, to continue to ask God that we would come to the proper conclusions and so that we may make the right decisions, so that we may see the fullness. It's like you see in our world, we're very quick to do this. We're very quick to come to a judgment. And then there's times, especially in our media, the media jumps to a conclusion. And then there are facts that come out later that change the whole perspective of that. Well, we as Christians, as Christ followers, we, we need to be careful and mindful, again, how we jump to conclusions and how we come to reason. We need to have a biblical view of how we view life. And it says, Peter warns in a couple of places here, the importance of, of not allowing others to change what God's word says because of their sensuality, because of their own desires. The world has having an impact, even at this point, upon, among the early church. I couldn't help but to read through part of chapter two and think, I think Peter's talking about us today. And I think about how in churches across the globe, how the gospel is being manipulated and changed to fit so that we may feel better about one another. The gospel can't be changed. The word of God can't be changed. Sin is sin. And sin needs to be addressed. And so when we look at our lives, God defines what that is. And so if we want to try to manipulate what sin is and how we're going to define sin to make us feel better, we best be careful. And that's what Peter is encouraging them. He's, he's commanding them. He's, he's, he's dictating to them very strongly. You need to be careful because that leads to a way of living that it's almost better if you never heard the good news. That's pretty strong. And it encourages us as we think about our lives and as we continue to make decisions moving forward that we always need to go back to what God's word says. What does scripture say? You know, 
Peter says here, and you can look in verse 16 with me, chapter 3. He says, he does all this in his letters, and talking about Paul. All right, he's, taught, he, he's really commending Paul and, and the apostle Paul and what he has been writing. His writings have been spread throughout the early church. He says, as he does in all his letters when he speaks of them in these matters, the wisdom that God gave him. There are some of these things that are hard to understand. Maybe you're, maybe you're sitting here and, and you're new to the word or maybe, you're, maybe you, you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for some time, but when you read your Bible, it's just really hard. Peter says he gets it. Some of the things that, especially Paul, in this specific manner, he's talking about Paul, some of the things that Paul has written, they are hard to understand. Doesn't that make you feel good when you read the Bible? Like, okay, I'm not alone. Apostle Peter had trouble understanding Paul. That doesn't mean we give up or that we just say, well, since Peter couldn't understand it, then no, it doesn't say that Peter didn't understand it. It, said, it says that, he, that they are hard, all right? Hard to understand. And then he says this phrase, this phrase, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Meaning not, not only do they take what Paul's writing but they take other scriptures and they twist them to say what they want them to say. Folks, we, we have that today. And I, I, I'm telling you, as, as a church, for us to be able to be faithful in preaching and teaching the word of God, that's a win. We win because we're honoring God in that way. Do we have 3,000 people in here? No. And if we're going to lessen the word of God, if we're going to cheapen the message of the gospel just to get people in and just to pe- be people who, who give more money so that we have greater facilities, and greater, we can't go that route. And that doesn't mean we don't strive to let people know about who Jesus Christ is. That doesn't mean we don't make decisions trying to see how we can reach out and love on our community and love on our people But ultimately, the center focus has to be the truth of God's word, and we must make that the center, and we cannot change it. We can't change the gospel. And the gospel is simply this, that Jesus Christ, God's son, came to this earth, and he died for you and for me. That each one of us have a sin issue. We've become disobedient. We were born in our heart. Our heart was wicked and deceitful. We were born that way. We didn't just choose that way. We choose that way because our heart is wicked. And because of that, it, it caused us to be separated from a perfect and holy God. So we are separated, left for eternity, separated from him. The Bible tells us that God loved us so much that he didn't leave us in that spot, but he sent his son Jesus. And Jesus came to this earth, born of a virgin, perfect God, man, born of a woman, not from a man, but he was perfect in that way and that's how he could be born. The Holy Spirit worked in Mary's womb and where she conceived. How did it happen? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. You can talk to doctors and see. God did it. God did that. All right? Bible tells me it must be true. So Jesus came. He lived a perfect and sinless life. Not only do we have that, that, that Jesus was a real man from the Bible, but actually historians outside of the Bible have shown that there was truly a man, 
of the Jews. And his name was Jesus. And we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again. And he appeared then to over 500 people, proving that he had risen from the dead. And as the apostles continued to spread the gospel and churches were established throughout the world, it has become evident as you accept Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior that it is true. It is true because of the peace and the comfort that he gives you. It's not some feeling. It's the assurance of knowing that it is true. It is knowing in the depths of our soul what we long for, a relationship with the God that created us, is possible. We fight against that. The world fights against that. But ultimately, all that will be destroyed and one day we'll live in eternity in a perfect relationship with God for those who follow him. For those who don't believe, there is an eternity ready for you as well that's very real and it's destruction where the Bible tells us that there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, there is immense heat and torment. And that's away from God. I hope that you would want to spend eternity in heaven with God because he loves you and he cares so much for you. We have that hope and yet the gospel can never change. It's not based upon our good works. It's not based upon what we do. As, G- as Peter ends this letter, he, is, he encourages them in verse 18. He says, but grow in grace. He says, but grow in grace and knowledge. One of the great things that we see from Paul and Paul's writing is that we are saved by what? We are saved by grace. And, and Peter is encouraging us to continue to grow in grace. And so when we think about growing in grace, how do we, how do we grow in grace? I think it's uh, having a thankful heart to realize that there's nothing that we could do to be saved, that we're saved by grace, and acknowledging that and thanking God for that. I, I believe that we are sanctified by grace, that we are able to become more like Jesus because of God's grace, because he allows us to know and to understand his word And as we dig in it and read in it, and as his spirit, we allow his spirit to guide us and direct us who lives inside of us, we can grow in that understanding, that sanctification, that process where where before God we are declared right because of what Jesus Christ did. But also it is a process of sanctification where we become more like Jesus. And as you evaluate and think about this year, this past year, are you more like Jesus today than you were when you started last year? It's a process for us to start to think about because it comes down to our decision making. You make decisions about your life and what you're going to do and how you're going to grow. So you have to ask yourself, how can I become more like Jesus? What does that look like? God gives us grace and he, he tells us in Paul's letter, or in James, actually another apostle, um, Jesus' brother James in James 4, 6, God gives grace to the humble. So if you want to grow in grace, continue to be humble. And so we want to become more like Jesus. So Peter says grow in grace, but he also says grow in the knowledge of our Lord our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to know Jesus. 
to know him as Lord and Savior, to continually be reminded, what does that mean? I mean, Peter wrote, and he could have said anything. He could have just said Jesus. He could have said Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But Jesus, Peter was very specific when he said, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so to be able to know, what does that look like in my life? What does that look like in your life as you continue to grow, grow in the knowledge? It's not just a head knowledge. It's not just growing in that knowledge. I believe it's the outpouring of how we live our lives. We are to know him. And the more we know him and the more we see him and the more that we acknowledge his work in our life, the more we grow in the knowledge of who he is. Colossians 3, Paul says this, set your mind on things above. Peter is talking about that, a focus beyond the earth that we have now to focus beyond and say, all of this is going to be burned up. What are you thinking about? What are you focused about? What's going to help you grow? And he says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's my challenge to us as we conclude uh, this, this year and we're excited to get ready to head into the holiday season and there are lots of opportunities to invite people to come in and to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ but it's also going beyond that in this new 2020 year that we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's my challenge to us as we think about how, what does that look like? I don't know. And yet we don't have to know every specific detail. I believe that there are things that we have set before us of some things that we want to do. But it's not about doing them and accomplishing them. It is about knowing Jesus. It's about understanding how much he loves us and continuing to grow in our relationship and our walk with him. And I'm confident, I'm set, dead set, that if we walk with God, that he will will show us what all that looks like. How can we better, better take care of our people? How can we better minister to our own people here? How can we better minister to our community and reach out? How can we better minister to our missionaries and our staff? I don't know. All I know is God calls us, as Peter reminds the early church. He says, I'm not going to be here much longer. My body's gone. It's going to go soon because God's told me that. But I'm writing these things down so that you won't forget. Grow. You make the decisions that you need to make to grow in God's grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do that, can't help but to be thankful. Amen? God is so good to us. Will you pray with me as we close? Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity as we have gathered here in this place to sing, to give you praise through our lips, to give you praise through the offering, and Lord, to be able to give back to you, to give you praise through listening of our one of our missionaries and your work in their lives to give you thanks, Lord, for your word and and help us to grasp it, help us to live it out, help us to to walk out of here today and to know and to even have one area of our life where we can grow in your grace and grow in knowledge. And, and, And Lord, maybe that's just making the decisions to trust you more. 
Maybe it's making a decision to be in your word uh, each day for 20 minutes, uh, our first 20. Uh, Maybe it's reaching out and loving somebody else who needs to experience your grace. Lord, however you may lead us, may we be obedient to you. Thank you for the privilege of, of being your church here in this community at this corner. And Lord, may we continue to be faithful with your word loving it, treasuring it, rightly dividing the word of truth so that you may continue to work in us and produce godliness so that others may see you as you truly are an awesome God. We love you, Lord, and we praise your name. Thank you for the meal that we'll eat here in just a moment. Lord, may you bless the food to our body and may the fellowship be sweet. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to guide and direct us. We love you, Lord. All of God's people said, amen. God's blessing upon you. I hope that you'll join us for lunch. All of you are invited. Um, some great food. I s- checked out the kitchen earlier. They shooed me off, but there's a lot of food, and I hope you'll join us.